it. I, I could actually see somebody doing that. I'm not going to trade in buck the RV until I get yeah. my 50 stickers. You and did just like, say buck the RV. Buck. That was the name of one of our RVs. It just sounded like you may have said something else. So I wanted to clarify to people. Okay. Oh, no, no. Yeah. Like well, we had an RV named Buck and that just yeah. something like popped into yeah. my head. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Jeremy. And we are the authors of Where Should We Camp Next? Where Should We Camp Next? National Parks. And Where Should We Camp Next? Budget Camping. This year, we are celebrating the 10th anniversary of the RV Atlas podcast. We hope you join us as we cover the best campgrounds, the best RVs, the best food, and the best gear to bring with you when you go. So pull up a chair and join us around the digital campfire. This is the RV Atlas. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the RV Atlas. We are back at you with another RV Atlas Q&A. We're taking three questions from our private Facebook group, the RV Atlas group, which anybody can join if you just answer three quick, easy questions. So we make sure not you're anybody. not... Almost not anybody. Not anybody can join. A lot of... Well, You okay. can't be cranky. No crankies. No crankies. <laughs> so if you're cranky, you can't join. <laughs> we don't actually ask that as one of the three questions, and we I'm should. literally going to go back and change that. I think are we should. you we a cranky or Are you cranky? If so, this isn't the best spot for you. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually going to go okay. back in and add that as a question. Yeah. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Good. Okay. So <laughs> no cranks on. allowed. No cranks allowed. That's always been the rule. Uh, but we're going to be answering three questions from the group. Um, just everyone's just geared up for spring and summer RV trips. So the group is always bustling this time of year with lots and lots of great questions. So the three questions we're going to handle today are questions about taking an RV trip to Cape Hatteras, which Stephanie and I combined, combined like her trips and my trips. We've been to Cape Hatteras over 25 times easily easily. Um, we're going to talk about state map rules. Okay. So if you have one of those state maps and you're checking off or putting a sticker on each state as you go to each state, <laughs> what happens if you get a new RV? Serious, we'll talk about serious that. stuff. <laughs> well, these are very serious questions. Very serious. And then we're going to talk about um, driving days and how many hours different people drive, depending mm -hmm. on if they have a motorhome, a towable, how many hours we like to drive, how many hours you like to drive. Yeah. It's sort of a hot topic in the RV space and um, everybody kind of does it differently. So we will answer those three questions and read some answers from people in the Facebook group. But before we dive in, we have a sponsored message from our friends at Camco. Camco is one of our favorite companies in the outdoor recreation industry. For more than 50 years, they have remained a trusted North Carolina-based manufacturer specializing in innovative products for the RV, marine, outdoor living, and outdoor recreation markets. You may know them best by their American-made Rhino sewer hoses, Taste Pure water filters, EvoFlex drinking water hoses, and TST toilet chemicals. But their lineup of products doesn't end there. Camco continues to deliver products that bridge the gap between you and your next great adventure. From portable grills and campfires to ease lift hitches and power grip electrical adapters, they seem to be doing it all. There's a saying that if you own an RV, you are sure to own a Camco product or two. And it's true. We still use Camco products that we bought 12 years ago when we started RVing. This year, we are stocking up our new RV with go-to Camco products like their collapsible laundry basket and their life is better at the campsite dishes and mugs. Head to CampcoOutdoors.com to check out all of the cool stuff that Campco makes and get 10% off your entire order with our discount code RVATLAS10. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Let's start with a really important 
serious question, okay? Nathan Wentworth wrote in to the RV Atlas group, okay, gang, serious question. When you upgrade to a new or different RV, do you start over with your state map? Since you haven't camped in the new RV, do you get credit for camping in all of the states you visited with your previous RV? People actually need help with this. People need guidance. Right. People need support. People just need to know what's the right thing to do. Well, I obviously actually answer this. I feel super strongly about this, like super duper strongly. Like the idea that your RV like somehow dictates your experiences, right? Like a new RV would like wipe out previous states camp. It's like bonkers to me. Like, I'm like, no way. First of all, because um, I see a lot of data in the industry, right? Like I look at all the, the, the sales reports every month and all that. Did you know that the average ownership length of time for an RV is like three point something. Oh, I know. Years. I know it's three years. People yeah. trade it. Now, I don't know if deal. it's that now. I, mean, I, I don't, I haven't seen that stat in probably over a year. So it may have changed. You never know. But I mean, we're talking about three years. Now, Stephanie, you know, you, you, you said you have a strong opinion about this and you don't have strong opinions about no, things. I don't so try to tell is... people what to do a lot, but this is like, you got to be kidding me. You can't fill in a 50 state map on one RV. Who does that? <laughs> well, and the RV industry would tank if everyone, I mean, literally like the whole RV industry would go under. It'd be an economic downturn in Elkhart, Indiana. Right, People, I'm right. not trading in my RV because I, I got 10 more states to go and we're right. going to keep this motor home for the next 10 years. Right. I mean, it would be so bad for, and people, and if you were being really strict about it, I, I could actually see somebody doing that. I'm not going to trade in, buck the RV until I get yeah. my 50 stickers. You and did just like, say Buck the RV. Buck. That was the name of one of our RVs. It just sounded like you may have said something else. So I wanted to clarify to people. Okay. Oh, go ahead. no, no. Yeah. Like well, we had an RV named Buck and that just <laughs> yeah. something, like popped into yeah. my head. Yeah. So, guys, we need you. Look, everyone that works in the RV, the American economy needs you to keep buying RVs and right. trading in RVs. Right. So you can carry over your stickers. We give and, you permission. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And almost every single person agreed with Stephanie. And in fact, people have come up with some crafty ways to deal with this. Shannon Lamb responded, our map is in a picture frame, yeah. so it can go from camper to camper. Mm -hmm. Hannah and Will Clay responded and said, I continued the map because everyone has their own house rules. And right. It's like kind of, you well, know, so, you yeah, I feel strongly about that. But then, then there's all of those sub rules, right? Cl sub clauses. For Did the you map, spend the night which, there? Right, which I understand that everybody varies in that. Like, to me, some people say if they spent a night there, like even in a Walmart parking lot, like they would count that. We've never really done that. Like we've driven through in our RV a lot of states and even done like quick overnights. And I feel like unless we actually stayed at a campground and it was like a real camping experience, we didn't count the state, right? Okay, listen, here's my thing. And I'm not a stickler on this. I think it's your own house rules. Yeah. I think you carry the map over, put it on a quilt, put it on a magnetic <laughs> frame. Do, yeah. You know, other people did like uh, magnetic frames. They did, they, they had different ways to carry it over. Okay. Here's my thing. If you spend the night in a state with your RV, it counts. Don't okay. I don't want to hear this. If I, oh, I spent the night in Walmart in Nebraska, so I, I don't get to count don't Nebraska. I think we did that. 
we've ever done well, that. We didn't we ever. Because we did drive yeah. through some states, like especially when we were going out to South Dakota. Like I feel like we didn't stay in every state. We didn't count those states at that time. I don't know. It's, we're we're obviously not sticklers, and we don't really care about the subtext here, the the basic. But I have to say that my favorite fifty state map ever was actually not good for this rule because my favorite one was the stickers one that we had. Do you remember each piece of the each state was like this sticker that was made by this artist in Maryland who I really loved, and she had a beautiful uh, map. But that was stickers. And we did put it on Buck, the toy hauler. <laughs> and then it couldn't come with us. Then you just start a new one. We had to start a it. new one. Yeah. So yeah, Mike, that Mike, was that's something to think about when you get your map. There's a couple other interesting angles on this. Mike Hoffman wrote, you have a box of ice cream sandwiches. You eat all of them. Just because you get a new box doesn't mean you didn't eat all the other ones. It all counts as pounds under the belt, miles during camping. Ted Moore. Was <laughs> I mean, the can I just say that answer really threw me for a loop at first? Like I was like, I had a, I was like, wait, what are we talking about? Ice cream sandwiches? What's going on here? And then like I got what he was saying, but I had to reread that one a couple of times. <laughs> The only person that disagreed, Ted Moore. Oh. I looked it up in the Code of Federal Regulations. New trailer equals reset on places visited, which means I have to return yeah. to Glacier, Zion, Yellowstone, Shenandoah, Great Smoky Mountains, and Rocky Mountain. Yeah. Darn, what a burden. See, he's, yeah, Ted is doing what a lot of people do, which is interpreting the law according to his personal um, interests. Right. He wants an excuse to go back to these places. So he's interpreting the law to give him a blank slate on those places so he can go back. It's very crafty, Ted. All right. I don't think he actually peeled off the stickers and started over. All right. Let's move on to talking <laughs> about travel days and how. So, so let's, here was the question. Okay. Steph Wagner wrote in to the RV Atlas group. Mm -hmm. What is your upper limit on miles per day between destinations? We are planning a longer trip with our six and eight-year-olds from Kansas to Disneyland, mm. which is kind of funny because oh Walt goodness. Disney was from Kansas, I believe, and he went on that journey too, up to <laughs> Disneyland. <laughs> the journey. And he made Disneyland. But this is, uh, you know, yeah. this is, again, everybody's answer can be different, but I actually think it fits, it falls into two categories of, of how people handle driving days. And I personally think mm. like there are people that, leisurely do their driving days and take a few days to get to a place. And a lot of people said like, I do four hours a day. I do yeah. five hours a day. And if it takes me three days to get somewhere, it takes three days to get me somewhere. And some of them even said, I'm retired. This is mm -hmm. how I do it. Okay. Then there is another group of people that were like, I can't take three days to drive to Florida yeah. for my winter break because I have seven yeah. days off and I, I need to get there in a day. And you know, people with kids, people with families right. who have limited vacation right. time, I think often barrel down to locations and do those 50, and I'm not thinking miles here, but people do those 15 hour driving days. Yeah. And that's how we've done it. Well, and I don't want to do it no more. Okay. So the other question, you know, the map question, I was like, the, I have a rule for this. Like, this is like a no brainer for this one. It actually annoys me that some people act like there's a rule for this. That annoys me. Like there's a whole, um, like you can like, search what is it the third third three hundred three 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 rule or something like that mean, right but i don't know i don't have it memorized like either because we can't do it is like 300 miles like no more three than hours. 300 miles no more than three hours at a time no later than 3 p.m or whatever so like 
they act like that's a rule that everybody should follow. And I'm like, I'm sorry, are you acting like every single person is A, retired or B, a full-timer who follows these rules? Because people with who have to travel during school breaks or have limited paid time off or whatever, like if they followed that rule, they could never get past the state next door, right? On a typical school break or something like that. Take eight days to get through Kansas. Yeah. It's like, it has to be a combination of what you're comfortable with and safety, right? Along with your own personal schedule. So like, to me, it's almost saying, how many days can I make this drive and be okay with it? Right. Like how slow it's like to me, a a good idea is like, can I make this drive a little slower to make it more enjoyable? Let's let's admit this has been a a source of of tension, shall we say, on on our spring break trips in particular. Yeah. Because I would always say, let's stop halfway. And we go to Myrtle Beach or Charleston a ton from New Jersey. That's often the spring break trip, maybe Florida at the furthest. And I would often say, I want to stop halfway. And I want to spend the night at like Americamps in Richmond, Virginia, and then wake yeah. up the next day. And your point was always, well, no, we're wasting a day of, t- of vacation time Not in Myrtle a day. Beach. Two days. Right. Two on days. Both ends. Because fair, you do fair, it on fair, the other end too. Fair. And honestly, we but do. But you're already, it's really four days. <laughs> because you're, you know, total, you're doing two days to get there, vacation, two days to get home. That's a lot. Four days of just travel if it's not a stop that is like interesting and fun. That's a lot of vacation. It's half your vacation. And I get it. And so like. And don't tell me that. Don't tell me anybody that wants to like write in the comments on this. Like the the journey. Okay. Do you have three kids and two dogs in your backseat? Are you taking the I-95 Horridor? And are you (laughs) on the Horridor? horridor. Like there's nothing about the journey. You know, like save the journey. Because if you want to take a really long, like easy journey, you take my kids. You know, go ahead, have them, have, them. have your well, journey. And so now we do, we, we look, we did Carolina Pines last spring. We did that drive in a day and that is a doable, yeah. that's a doable drive in the day. It's 10 hours ish. Yeah. And honestly, it probably ends up taking us 11 or maybe even 12. But the one that was really brutal was like just going the extra distance to Charleston. That, that yeah. said it was going to take us 12 hours on the GPS and it was 16 hours because mm-hmm. I think we had the toy hauler then. We did have the toy hauler then. And just like we had to stop mm-hmm. and get gas so many times. Yeah. And so that 12 hour drive became a 16 hour drive. And I'll admit that's brutal. I'm not, t- I will not tow 16 hours in a day again, because I do yeah. think I go past the point of, of being able to tow safely. I agree. Um, where I think that I can do the drive to Myrtle Beach and Carolina Pines, that extra stretch to Charleston, I would have to spend the night somewhere, to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah, I think so. It takes it a little bit of trial and error. Like we know that our kids, personally are really good in the car for six to seven hours. And after that, it's garbage time. Like it's crazy. It's almost like a switch goes off and it's garbage time. So we know that we're in for a little bit of torture if we push it a little far. You know, somebody, one of the comments mentioned that um, they're, they they pay their kids. <laughs> Carrie Cox, our wonderful <laughs> correspondent. Carrie Cox said we had a successful, this is a longer comment, but Pulling from that comment, we had a successful road trip once where we paid our kids a dollar an hour to behave on the way. They got pretty competitive about keeping their cash. 
I like this. This is like me when I pay my kids to stay in bed on Christmas morning. They get extra presents, right, for staying in bed late. So it's like I I, I really, I see you, Carrie Coxon. But I also really thought that it was good that Andrea mentioned in the comments that a towable and a drivable are probably two different things. I completely agree with that. If you have a class C, you don't have to take as many breaks probably as you do when you're doing a towable. I think it is a little less stressful to drive, you know, or like you're just not as like on, you know, as you are with a tow. Well, you need to stop for gas half as much. Okay. Mm -hmm. So like I've got like a 36 gallon tank on my F-250. I get eight miles per gallon towing. Like we have to stop for gas like every two and a half hours, you know, a class C or a class A and and I'm not going to get the exact number right here, people. I can have like a 65 gallon gas tank or something like that. So literally, I think the gas tank can be twice the size. And so then you just don't have to stop for gas as much. Those, right. Like those Andrea gas mentioned really slow us that down. Andrea said we only stop to get gas and switch drivers so they can do 600 to 700 day miles in a day because they can go 300 to 350 miles on a tank of gas in their class C. That's not the case for most people who are towing. And you're right, though. It is more comfortable. I mean, there's no doubt. Like, I mean, well, we've rented not, class Cs. Look, it is I'm more comfortable for the boys. I'm not going to say you can get up. I'm not going to promote getting out of your belt and going to the bathroom while a class C is in motion. I'm not telling you that you should do that. I'm just telling you that people do. So when that is how people are getting, right? Like you don't have to stop for a potty break because kids are getting up and using the restroom while it's emotion. But even if you pull over and stop, that's still shorter for the kids to run to the bathroom than it is to go into a rest stop and blah, blah, blah. So in every way, I think that's 100% on the mark that it can be faster in a motorhome. Now, just projecting into the future, because I'm at that point in life with two 14-year-olds and a 10-year-old where I do really like to think about owning a couple's RV and traveling the country with Stephanie. Like, I think that six hours a day is what I would want to do. Like I, that's when I was at, if I was at a more leisurely pace, if I wasn't on a week long spring break with kids, I would like to tow, I think six hours per day is what would be very comfortable for me. Okay. Let's move on to a question by Eric Anderson, a great friend of our group. And he's been in my show, um, six things I love about my RV along with his lovely wife, Jeannie. Uh, Eric wrote into the RV Atlas group, uh, with Hershey's pups help. And they, they have a new children's book out about oh. Hershey pup, which is adorable. With Hershey Pups help, I got us a site for a week at Frisco Campground at Cape Hatteras National Seashore. We kept missing Cape Hatteras the past couple years, so we're looking forward to it finally. We'll be there in early spring, so hopefully before the buggy season. Who stayed on Cape Hatteras? Any suggestions or recommendations of what to do and where to explore? So, you know, we've been there a lot, Stephanie. So two key things. He's way out there on the national seashore part of the Outer Banks, mm-hmm. and he's going to be there in early spring. So He doesn't what... have to worry about the mosquitoes. Yeah. <laughs> That's not what he has to worry about. He has to worry about, I, I think I said to him, you got to worry about the wind. <laughs> like That's why the Wright brothers went there. Mm-hmm. It's windy. And in the spring, it can be really windy. I would say, and Eric, I'm not trying to at all be discouraging. Just be ready for whatever Mother Nature throws at you with it's wind a and weather. wild time weather-wise. Yeah. yeah, it could. It, spring can be summery. Mm-hmm. Spring can be cold and windy. It, it, you could be up for a wide variety of different types of weather. Uh, a lot of people commented and said that that part of the Outer Banks is very relaxed and chill. And that's true. You're a 
pretty much like an hour away from Nags Head and Kitty Hawk and places yeah. where there's tons of restaurants, tons of actor stores, tons of activities. This is a, a pretty quiet stretch of beautiful coastline, and you're going to be soaking in the natural environment, walking on the beach, of course, visiting the Cape Hatteras Lighthouse. Right. And there are there's some good food to check out, but um, no. And that's the area that we've yeah. always enjoyed going to, more down, you know, we we have enjoyed the quieter side of Cape Hatteras where you and you do have to drive a longer distance to some of the more tourists. You know, I was wondering, um, I hadn't thought to ask this ahead of time, but I was wondering how many of the like restaurants and bakeries and stuff like that are open that early. I don't know. I, we, I think the earliest we've been there is late April. I don't know. I mean, we've done so, spring break there before. I'll say this. It is a year-round community out there now at this point. There's a, high, there's a school. There's a high school. Yeah. Um, there are definitely going to be places open that serve the local population, and, and some of those are very good places. Mm -hmm. Buxton Munch comes to yeah, mind. right. But then there are going to be restaurants that are closed and that are not right. open in April because it's just not the busy tourist season yet. So I'm guessing here that you're going to see about half of the things opened okay. and half of the things closed, and I think that's probably a pretty accurate guess. Um, Ashley Moody wrote in a terrific long response, chock full of great recommendations. She mentioned taking the ferry day trip to mm -hmm. Ocracoke Island, which is really, really beautiful, really, really fun, a great way to spend a day for sure. And, and probably I, and a great time of year to do it because it gets crowded in the summer doing that ferry. It can get a little like, eh, like you feel like you're in rush hour traffic. So I think that's a nice thing to do at that time of year. It'll probably be beautiful and quiet. Jess Steck wrote in and said, take the short drive north to the Orange Blossom Bakery. And that is so good. And I really hope it's open for you, Andersons. And Larissa commented, the Apple Uglies are amazing. And I've had a few. You've had some Apple Uglies. <laughs> I've had some Apple Uglies at the Orange Blossom Bakery. They are amazing. And I do think that's one of those year-round businesses that serves okay. the community. So I hope I they're hope open. So. I hope so. For their sake, I definitely hope so. So keep checking, um, you know, the weather, check your alerts, right? Like, you know, you want to make sure that there hasn't been any flooding events, the roads wash out. Like, let's face it, people, we are vacationing on a sandbar, right? Like, this is like, we are just at the mercy of the sandbar's mood at, at, at a certain point. Um, when you travel to and Cape Hatteras or that. Literally, right? the Wright brothers went there because yeah. of the winds. And you definitely want to do the Wright brothers Go to monument. The monument. It's awesome. Sure. You, depending on how you enter the Outer Banks, you could be backtracking an hour, um, mm -hmm. but it's totally worth it. It's, a, it's definitely a great day trip while you're out there. I think that there is, don't quote me on this, look it up, but I think that there's pretty good RV parking. From what I remember, the parking situation is very friendly, um, but it's been a while yes. since I've been there. So it might be one of those things that you go, it, depending on when you arrive, you could go when you, you know, on your way, go there and then head down to the seashore, the national seashore. And the reason that Stephanie and I have over the years with our boys, before we had our children, with yeah. my friends, with her friends, one of the main reasons, I mean, the beaches are beautiful in the summer, but it's also the best surfing on the East Coast. Yeah. So be careful in the ocean. Can be big, can yep. be rough. and. Yeah. Maybe a little chilly in April, but it's actually not that bad. If you you could you could hit the jackpot and really have days on the beach. I remember one time when we went, we were in college during spring break, so it had to be early. 
And there was like a day that was gorgeous that we were all sitting there on the beach and then it turned and it was like we were all in the house, right? Like, except, you know, the surfing, it was like then the wind picked up and the sand was whipping and everything. So it was like, I remember that trip because it was like two sides of the coin. But um, we actually took, I think, our first extended like week long or two week long RV trip ever to Cape Hatteras, you right? You are 100% in, right. In the pop-up camper. Mm-hmm. That was, you are 100% right. Yeah. That was our first week-long RV trip. We had only done weekends. Right. And, in the spring because we bought our pop-up camper And of course we the went spring. there because that was like, it was like, that was the whole point of getting the RV was being able to go to the places that we loved with our kids and have an affordable, fun vacation. And it was 100 degrees the day we showed up <laughs> in the pop-up we camper. Were, oh my gosh, yeah. And my whole and family in their tents. And your family was in their tents. Yeah. And um, I was so thankful. We had air conditioning in the pop-up camper. It worked really well. A lot of things in that pop-up camper didn't work really well. The air conditioning worked really, <laughs> really well. Did. And we, we cranked were, that puppy oh, all we felt like we week. were so like luxurious. And all the kids were napping in the pop-up. It was like became like the nap place because we could make it cool and dark and everything. So we were like, this pop-up camper is like amazing. Last crazy idea for Eric, Camp Hatteras in, in Rodanthe has an indoor pool. And I know you're not camping there, but maybe if it's a little windy and chilly and your weather's not nice, maybe you can pay a day fee. Ooh, day pass. To get maybe. a little day pass. Maybe. Rent a site for a night. If they don't and do go it, they swimming should. in the indoor pool. Yeah. I, would, I would check that out. Good idea. Call. Then, you should, yeah, Camp Hatteras should, should get a little marketing. Help from you if they don't do that already. <laughs> and the Cape Hatteras KOA right next door, mm-hmm. their hot tub might be open. Might be open. I can't promise. Yeah. You could pull in and just look like you, you could belong. just look like a camper, probably. Well, they do look like they, yeah. Eric does. I mean, it looks you, like a camper. You have enough street cred in that department that you might just be able to saunter right into the hot tub. It's worth a shot. It's worth a shot. <laughs> but we didn't, you didn't hear <laughs> that here. No, we didn't recommend that at all. <laughs> all right, everybody. We'll see you at the campground in Cape Hatteras. We'll have the Apple Uglies waiting. Going to take us two days to get there because I don't want to drive straight through. You're driving straight through to Hatteras. <sighs> okay. We'll be there straight in a day. There, bud. <laughs> and sadly, we won't get to add a new sticker to our map because we've been nope, there already. Been there, done that. Going to be there again. All right. See you at the we'll campground. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us for the 10th anniversary season of the RV Atlas. To find out more about the topics discussed on this show, head on over to the RVAtlas.com. And to join the friendliest group of RVers, head on over to the RV Atlas group on Facebook and make sure to join us on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram at the RV Atlas. And if you enjoy our show, please consider leaving us a review over on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And make sure to pick up copies of Where Should We Camp Next, wherever books are sold. And we will see you at the campground.